The Wind in the Willows by Kenneth Graham, adapted by Bart Meehan, directed by Tony Turner, with original music by Glenn Gore Phillips. The cast includes Nicky Hunter as the narrator, Elaine Noon as Mole, Geoffrey Borney as Ratty, Tony Turner as Toad, Graham Robertson as Badger, Nigel Palfreyman as Otter, Lainey Hart as the jailer's daughter and the bargewoman, and Neil MacLeod as the magistrate, the engine driver and the gypsy. The Wind in the Willows by Kenneth Graham A Paper Moon Theatre production in association with Artsound FM Episode 2 The Open Road Ratty was sitting on the riverbank singing a little song. He had just composed it himself, so he was very taken up with it and would not pay proper attention to Mole or anything else. Since early morning he had been swimming in the river with his friends, the ducks, and when the ducks stood on their heads suddenly, as ducks will, he would dive down and tickle their necks, just under where their chins would be, if ducks had chins, till they were forced to come to the surface again in a hurry, spluttering and angry and shaking their feathers at him. At last they implored him to go away and attend to his own affairs and leave them to mind theirs. So the rat went away and sat on the river bank in the sun and made up a poem about them. All along the back Water through the rushes tall, ducks are dabbling up tails all. Ducks' tails, drakes' tails, yellow feet quiver, yellow bills all out of sight, busy in the river. Slushy green undergrowth where the roach swim, here we keep our larder cool and full and dim. Everyone for what he likes, we like to be, heads up, tails up. Dabbling free. High in the blue above, swifts whirl and call. We are down a dabbling, up tails all. I don't think I think very much of that little poem, Ratty. Neither do the ducks, Molly. <laughs> they say, Why can't fellows be allowed to do what they like, when they like, and as they like, instead of other fellows sitting on banks and watching them all the time and making remarks and poetry and things about them? What nonsense it all is. That's what ducks say. So it is, I suppose. No, it isn't. Well, then, it isn't. It isn't. I don't want to upset you, because... 
I have a favour to ask. Ask away. Will you take me to meet Mr Toad? I've heard so much about him and I do so want to make his acquaintance. Toad? (laughs) Of course, that's a splendid idea. Far more fun than composing poetry about ducks. Get the boat out and we'll paddle up there at once. It's never the wrong time to call on Toad. Early or late, he's always the same fellow. Always good-tempered. Always glad to see you. Always sorry when you go. He must be a very nice animal. In his own way, I suppose he is. Simple, good-natured, though perhaps not very clever. We can't all be geniuses, and it may be that he is both boastful and conceited. But he has got some good qualities, has Toady, if you look hard. And with that, Mole got into the boat and took the skulls, while the rat settled himself comfortably in the stern, and the friends set off down the river. As they rounded the bend, they came in sight of a handsome, dignified old house of mellowed red brick with well-kept lawns reaching down to the water's edge. There's Toad Hall. (laughs) And that creek on the left, where the notice board says, Private, no landing allowed, leads to his boathouse, where we'll leave the boat. The stables are over there to the right. That, that's the banqueting hall you're looking at now. Very old, that is. Toad is rather rich, you know. And this is really one of the nicest houses in these parts. Though we never admit as much to Toad. <laughs> if we did, all he'd say is, Of course it is. Nicest house in these parts and other parts as well. <laughs> They glided up the creek, and Mole shipped his skulls as they passed into the shadow of a large boathouse. Here they saw many handsome boats slung from the crossbeams or hauled up on a slip, but none in the water, and the place had an unused and deserted air. Typical toad. Boating is played out. He's tired of it. I wonder what new fad he's taken up now. Come along, Molly, and let's look him up. We shall hear all about it soon enough. They disembarked and strolled across the gay flower-decked lawns in search of Toad, whom they presently happened upon resting in a wicker garden chair, with a preoccupied expression of face and a large map spread out on his knees. Busy as always, I see, Toad. (laughs) This is my friend, Molly. How kind of both of you to visit. (laughs) And what a coincidence. I was just going to send a boat down the river for you, Ratty, with strict orders that you were to be fetched up here at once, whatever you were doing. I want to spend the afternoon with you, both of you. Now, come inside and have something. You don't know how lucky it is you're turning up just now. Let's sit quiet a bit, Toady. 
It's a delightful residence, Mr Toad. Finest house on the whole river, or anywhere else for that matter. Well, I suppose... What did I tell you? <laughs> Finest house on the river. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bratty. It's only my way, you know. And it's not such a very bad house, is it? You know, you, you rather like it yourself. Now, look here. Let's be sensible. You are the very animals I wanted. You've got to help me. It's most important. It's about your rowing, I expect. You're getting on fairly well, though you splash a good bit still. With a great deal of patience and any quantity of coaching, you may in the end... Oh, poo-boating! Silly boyish amusement. I've given that up long ago. Sheer waste of time, that's what it is. It makes me downright sorry to see you fellows who ought to know better spending all your energies in that aimless manner. No, I've discovered the real thing. The only genuine occupation for a lifetime. I propose to devote the remainder of mine to it, and can only regret the wasted years that lie behind me, squandered in trivialities. Come with me to the stable-yard, dear Ratty, and you too, Moley, and you'll see what you shall see. Toad led the way to the stable-yard accordingly, Ratty following with a most mistrustful expression. And there, drawn out of the coach-house into the open, they saw a gypsy caravan, shining with newness, painted a canary yellow, picked out with green and red wheels. There you are. <laughs> There's real life for you, embodied in that little cart. The open road, the dusty highway, the heath, the common, the hedgerows, the rolling downs. Camps, villages, towns, cities. Here today, up and off to somewhere else tomorrow. Travel, change, interest, excitement. The whole world before you, and a horizon that's always changing. And mind, this is the very finest cart of its sort that was ever built, without any exception. Come inside and look at the arrangements. Planned them all myself, I did. Oh, my. Oh, my. It's wonderful, Ratty. It's a caravan, that's all it is. Oh, it's so much more. There are little sleeping bunks and a little table that folded up against the wall. And there is a cooking stove and lockers and bookshelves and a birdcage with a bird in it. Wonderful! Just wonderful! Pots, pans, jugs and kettles of every size. You see, all complete. Biscuits, potted lobster... Sardines, everything you can possibly want. Soda water here, letter paper, bacon, jam, cards and dominoes. You'll find that nothing whatever has been forgotten when we make our start this afternoon. I beg your pardon? What do you mean, we, and start, and this afternoon? Now, 
Dear good old Ratty, don't begin talking in that manner, because you know you've got to come. I can't possibly manage without you, so please consider it settled, and don't argue. It's the one thing I can't stand. You surely don't mean to stick to your dull, fusty old river all your life, and just live in a hole in a bank and boat? I want to show you the world. I'm going to make an animal of you, my boy. An animal of you both. Wonderful. Wonderful. I don't care. I'm not coming in that flat. And I am going to stick to my old river and live in a hole and boat, as I've always done. And what's more, Mole's going to stick to me and do as I do. Aren't you, Mole? I am? Of course I am. I'll always stick to you, Ratty. All the same. It sounds as if it might have been, well, rather fun, you know. Poor Mole. The life adventurous was so new a thing to him and so thrilling. And this fresh aspect of it was so tempting. And he had fallen in love at first sight with the canary-coloured cart and all its little fitments. The rat saw what was passing in his mind and wavered. He hated disappointing people, and he was very fond of Mole. I don't know. I suppose we could... Come along in and have some lunch, and we'll talk it over. We needn't decide anything in a hurry, of course, I don't really care. I only want to give pleasure to you fellows. Live for others. That's my motto in life. And during lunch, which was excellent, of course, as everything at Toad Hall always was, the Toad simply let himself go. Disregarding Ratty, he proceeded to play upon the inexperienced mole as one might play a harp. Can you imagine the joy of the open roads, mole? colours of the flowers, the songs of the birds, and all the characters we will meet. <laughs> Animals you'd never see on the river. Oh, that would be a real adventure, wouldn't it, Ratty? And before Ratty could answer, it was taken for granted that the trip was a settled thing, and Ratty, though still unconvinced in his mind, allowed his good nature to override his personal objections. When they were quite ready, the now triumphant Toad led his companions to the paddock and set them to capture the old grey horse, who, without having been consulted, and to his own extreme annoyance, had been assigned by Toad the dustiest job in this dusty expedition. He frankly preferred the paddock and took a good deal of catching. Meantime, Toad packed the lockers still tighter with necessaries and hung nose bags, nets of onions, bundles of hay and baskets from the bottom of the cart. At last the horse was caught and harnessed, and they set off all talking at once, each animal either trudging by the side of the cart or sitting on the shaft as the humour took him. 
It was a golden afternoon. The smell of the dust they kicked up was rich and satisfying. Out of thick orchards on either side of the road, birds called and whistled to them cheerily. Good-natured wayfarers passing them gave them good day, or stopped to say nice things about their beautiful cart. And rabbits, sitting at their front doors in the hedgerows, held up their forepaws and said, Oh my, oh my, oh my. Late in the evening, tired and happy and miles from home, they drew up on a remote common far from habitations, turned the horse loose to graze and ate their simple supper sitting on the grass by the side of the cart. Will you look at that moon, fellows, and all the stars? This is the real life for gentlemen. All that talk about your own river, Ratty, when we have this waiting for us. Uh, well, it's time for me to say good night. <sighs> Such adventures waiting us tomorrow. My river? I don't talk about my river. But I think about it. I think about it all the time. I'll do whatever you like, Ratty. Shall we run away tomorrow morning quite early? Or very early, and go back to our dear old hole on the river. No, no, we'll see it out. We ought to stick by Toad till this trip is ended. Wouldn't be safe for him to be left to himself. It won't take very long. His fads never do. <sighs> Time for some sleep. Good night, Molly. Good night, dear Ratty. The end was indeed nearer than even the Ratty suspected. After so much open air and excitement, Toad slept very soundly and no amount of shaking could rouse him out of bed next morning. So the Mole and Ratty set about making things right for the day. Ratty saw to the horse and lit a fire and cleaned last night's cups and platters, ready for breakfast, while Mole trudged off to the nearest village, a long way off, for milk and eggs and various necessaries the toad had, of course, forgotten to provide. The hard work had all been done, and the two animals were resting, thoroughly exhausted, by the time toad appeared on the scene, fresh and gay. What a wonderful day. Such a pleasant life we are leading. None of those worries and fatigues of housekeeping at home. Come on, you two lazy bones. We can't spend all day lounging round the fire. They had a pleasant ramble that day over grassy downs and along narrow by-lanes and camped as before on a common. Only this time the two guests took care to ensure Toad did his fair share of work. Consequently, when the time came to start the next morning, Toad was by no means so rapturous about the simplicity of the primitive life and indeed refused to vacate his place in his bunk. I'll have none of that, Toad. 
Oh, just a few moments more, Eddie. You really need to get up, Mr Toad. He'll get up all right. You grab the bottom. Now, heave! Oh, what? what, what what's going on? Good morning. Very pleasant day ahead. But a pleasant day did not lie ahead. Disaster waited for them that afternoon on the high road. Disaster, swift and unforeseen. Disaster, momentous indeed to their expedition and overwhelming in its effect on the future career of Toad. They were strolling easily along the high road. Mole was by the horse's head, talking to him, since the horse had complained that he was being frightfully left out of it and nobody considered him in the least. The Toad and Ratty were walking behind the cart, talking together. At least Toad was talking and Rat was saying at intervals. Yes, precisely. And what did you say? And thinking all the time of something very different, when far behind them they heard a faint warning hum, like the drone of a distant bee. Glancing back, they saw a small cloud of dust with a dark centre advancing at incredible speed, while from out of the dust a faint sound emerged, like the distant roar of a wild animal. Monster! Oh my! Oh my! It's wonderful! Toad had caught a glimpse of the magnificent motor car, immense, breath snatching, passionate, with its pilot tense and hugging his wheel, possessing all earth and air for the fraction of a second, flinging an enveloping cloud of dust that blinded and enwrapped the three travellers utterly. It was there for a moment and then gone, no more than a dwindling speck in the far distance. You villains! Oh dear, they have scared the horse. He's run away. And look what's happened to our lovely caravan. It's fallen in the ditch and the wheels and doors have come off. You scoundrels! You highwaymen, you, you road hogs. I'll have the law on you. I'll report you. I'll take you through all the courts. Toad, don't you have anything to say? They've wrecked your caravan. Vroom, vroom. What? Glorious, stirring sight. The poetry of motion. The real way to travel, the only way to travel. Villages skipped, towns and cities jumped, always somebody else's horizon. Vroom, vroom. Oh, stop being an ass toad. Come over here and give us a hand with the caravan. And to think I never knew. All those wasted years that lie behind me, I never knew, never even dreamt. But now, 
Now that I know, now that I fully realise, oh, what a flowery track lies before me! What dust clouds shall spring up behind me as I speed on my reckless way! What carts I shall fling carelessly into the ditch in the wake of my magnificent onset! Horrid little carts, common carts, canary-coloured carts! What are we to do with him, Ratty? He seems quite mad. Nothing at all, because there is really nothing to be done. You see, I know him from of old. He is now possessed. He's got a new craze, and it always takes him that way in its first stage. He'll continue like that for days now, like an animal walking in a happy dream, quite useless for all practical purposes. Never mind him. Let's see what there is to be done with the cart. I don't think there is anything to be done with it. The wheels have fallen off. Oh, well. I suppose we'll go to the railway station, then. And with luck, we may pick up a train there that'll get us back to the riverbank tonight. And what shall we do with Mr Toad? Vroom, vroom. And so, Mole and Ratty caught a train that took them back to their beloved hole in the riverbank, where they rested pleasantly, with Ratty swearing he'd never leave the river again, while Toad went to town the very next morning and ordered a large and very expensive motor car. That was episode two of The Wind in the Willows by Kenneth Graham, featuring Elaine Noon as Mole, Geoffrey Borney as Ratty, and Tony Turner as Toad. The narrator was Nicky Hunter. <laughs>